every author obsesses over one single date, the day their book gets published, their pub date. All those rigorous edits and deadlines leading up to that one infamous day when the book an author has been living, breathing, and conceiving for years is launched into the world. This is a show about pub dates, a place where we delve into the story behind the story of how a book comes to market. I'm your host, Allison Trowbridge. I'm an author myself and the founder CEO of Copper, a platform that connects authors and readers around books. So welcome to our pub date. Pull up a chair and grab yourself a libation. We may not be in a pub, but we'll definitely be raising a glass in celebration. Bob Goff, welcome to the podcast. I am so, so thrilled to be talking to you today. Yeah, thanks a million. I get to see your smiling face, which I always love. And uh, we have spanned quite a few, over a decade of being good friends. And it's been so fun to track with you and all the things that you're doing. Yeah, we were just saying it's surreal. It's been 10 or 12 years. Bob was on our, when I was in the anti-trafficking field, Bob was on our board at Not For Sale and was our just wise counsel, steady hand. Anytime we were in a crisis, we called Bob. And it's been so incredible to see your career from literal trial lawyer to international justice leader to now this phenomenal New York Times bestselling author. I've loved every book you've put out. And I'm so excited to talk to you about this new book, Undistracted, which when is the pub date, first of all? Yeah, it's uh, March 1st. March 1st. Okay. Bob, why Undistracted? Why did you write a book called Undistracted? Yeah, I think it's the same way, a reason that you wrote uh, your book a while ago. It was the book that you wish you had. Yeah. Right? It's that yeah. I, I just was trying to find something that, as a guy who's prone to distraction, just wildly prone to that, like many of probably the people that run in your posse are saying, what can I do to help me get focus back on the things that matter. Faith's a big deal for me. Mm. I know it isn't for everybody, but how can I get more to, uh, more focused on those things that were going to actually outlast me? So as a mm. guy who's 63, that has taken more importance to me. <laughs> oh my God. Can you tell and everyone about P-Day? Tell everyone what P-Day is. That's always been my favorite. <laughs> yes. This is when everybody gets polite to me because yeah. uh, there's something you get to a certain age and everybody just starts being polite. Yeah. And Start picking up your bags for you. Get out of here. I'll poke you in the nose. (laughs) I carry an anvil around with me. So people deal with their period of time that they have left in different ways. I think I've got quite a few years. We all uh, perhaps do. Um, But I want to live my life undistracted. I want to just to say, so what are the things that are going to outlast me? What are the things that are important right now? And that don't be distracted by what's going around me to the exclusion of understanding what God's doing inside of me. Mm. What happens when we do allow ourselves to get distracted? What is the, what's the cost of that? Yeah, well, it it will cost you. We each get about 4,000 weeks, give or Mm. take, 27,373 days. I've been counting. Crazy. Yeah, which sounded like a lot until I had about 22,000 in the rearview mirror. (laughs) I was like, rats. They go Um, by fast. 
Yes. And so, uh, so what I started to do is to say, hey, what are the things, because we've all been around the sun a couple of times, what are the things that seem to last? And yeah. what are the things that don't? What are the things that are distracting? Sometimes your capabilities can distract you. Like I'm mm. a trial lawyer, but I've got a bunch of pieces of paper that say I can practice law in a bunch of states. And while I'm capable of that, sometimes it can interfere with this idea of a calling or a, a sense of greater urgency to something else. Sometimes we're distracted by our limitations. I mean, mm. I've written a number of books and I can barely spell cat. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's ways that we can be less distracted by there. It's called spell check. Um, so, so to figure out some workarounds on the things that are holding you back, there also can be some emotional stuff that goes on. If you've ever seen somebody walking down the streets while you were in London and they were pulling their bag and the handle fell off, what they need to do then is pick up the bag and carry it on their chest like a big yeah. bear hug. And yeah. so you can just think that your distractions are all the stuff you don't have a handle on. And so you're just Ooh. carrying it around like a big bear hug. And then if I go to meet you, what they meet is all my baggage. Wow. <laughs> There's this big thing between us and it's all the stuff I don't have a handle on. So that would be a great way to describe distractions. They're just, mm. and I'm not saying... We'll just decide to be undistracted because that won't work for me. What I'm trying to do is get a handle on my distractions and come up with a way to deal with them. Mm. It's so neat too, because I was just thinking back to kind of the trajectory of the books that you've written of starting with like love does and to love always and love everybody and, and that first principle and then dream big to think about setting a vision and a course for our lives. But the how of how do you execute against that vision, you actually have to be undistracted in order to do it. it. It actually, as I'm just thinking about it right now, it feels like the natural next step of someone who's reading all of your books of like, this is what, this is the, the how-to in a way. Yeah. I would say like love does is like, let's get a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, let's just get a puppy. Um, and then everybody always is like, let's train the puppy. Let's yeah. just talk about how do you, it's easy to love people like you're low hanging fruit. I mean, who wouldn't like you, but how do you deal with the people who creep you out? Like mm -hmm. you want to know where you're at uh, in your life, in your faith, in your humanity, see how you deal with the people you disagree with the most. Mm -hmm. And then dream big was kind of like, okay, so if you got some ambitions, what are you going to do about it? What do you want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do about it? And then undistracted is, can we just stop getting distracted from all the things that are keeping us from pursuing our ambitions? So we can go after bigger ambitions like loving creepy people and <laughs> I don't know, give them puppies. <laughs> I should have done it like Star Wars and gone backwards. <laughs> but oh, and, and part of the habits that'll help us get undistracted will be like note-taking. I think you're a note-taker, mm. I'm a note-taker. And the people that have really moved the needle in the world, many of them were note-takers. Oh, George Lucas, uh, you know, really? infinitely talented guy, was writing Star Wars at the same time he was scoring American Graffiti. If you want a particular scene, it's by roll number and dialogue number. And so roll 10, dialogue 10. Uh, and he asked for this scene in American Graffiti, and it was roll two and dialogue two. I'm not kidding. He wrote down R2-D2. <laughs> 
You're joking. <laughs> and, yeah. And so what? because he had taken notes on one thing, when he was working on another thing, he's like, that's the droid. Like that. So what I want us to do is not be so distracted with all this frenetic energy in our life. And I got a bunch and I know you're full of energy as well, but that we could have some focus and some things that we could do that would help us rein in all those. It's like netting butterflies. If you don't net mm. the butterfly, it's going to go away. So yeah. when an idea comes by, get that. Thing and you don't have to stick a pin in it. Just remember what that idea was. I love that. I always think about when we first met, you told me you'd gone through and just written down all of the great stories you could remember of your life. Like you've just always been a note taker. It's so true. Yes. And it'll be in the middle of the night. There'll be usually it's the gray water that flows at about 2 a.m. for me. I don't know. Yeah. I've never woken up and say, life rocks at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I know. But, but to understand in that moment of terror, <laughs> night fright, to say, what, what was pressing those buttons? Like, what was it? Is there a story that I made up? Mm -hmm. Like a story, little Bobby Goff made up a story. You will be rejected. Ultimately, you will be all alone. Like it mm -hmm. wasn't true. It's just like wonky stuff happens in all of our lives. We don't have a shelf to put on it. So we make up a story so we can understand what's going on, lacking the emotional tools to deal with what's going on. And then you make rules to support the story. So the rule is I'm not going deep with anybody. And so the story is everybody's going to leave me. The rule is, well, since they're going to leave me, I'm not going deep with anybody. Wow. And then you say like, so then do these behaviors. So we all cope with it. We have these coping mechanisms. I dealt with the desire to not be utterly alone and not have people abandon me by being funny. Like I realized from my early said that's how I dealt with my all of my insecurities. Because if you're just funny, then you don't have to actually deal with the deeper painful issues of abandonment. Mm -hmm. And then these rules that at one time were actually guarding your heart and helping you, they were a scaffolding for your life. They became this enclosure for your life. And you go like, so what I want to do uh, in the book, I was just trying to tease that apart to say, what are the uh, stories we made up? What are the rules you made around the stories? And what are some of the behaviors that leave clues about some of the rules that point at wow. stories that maybe were never true, or maybe they were true at one point and aren't true anymore? Wow. That is such a beautiful articulation. One thing I keep thinking about is, is how so many, myself and probably so many of the listeners to this podcast feel very passionate and inspired and driven. And like, there's so many things to do and pursue. And I'm wondering how you in your own life have been able to articulate what is on target and what's a distraction. Like, how do you, how do you know? Yeah, well, the fact is we don't, uh, but we're constantly, <laughs> okay. no, but the, we're constantly yeah. betting things. Like, you know, you might have a person that pops into your life, a new friend, um, that it's actually fun and it's lattes and all that. And then there becomes, sometimes it can be a little drama gets introduced or some becomes a distraction. So we're constantly vetting things for ourselves. One thing that's been helpful for me is knowing and getting comfortable with the fact that we never walk in straight lines. Like people mm. don't, I don't mean just a sobriety test, like outside of <laughs> fraternity, but uh, that we, people are prone. If you and I were transported to a desert and there were the Gobi desert and there was no mountains and trees or anything, we would eventually walk to our left in circles 
or walk to our right in circles, depending on whether your left leg is longer than your right or your right leg is longer than your no left. No way. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and dependent on your stride. Like we don't yeah. stride the same. Uh, and I'm like, well, that'll preach. The way that you walk in a more straight direction is to have something that you're aiming at, right? Mm. A flag on a hill, a tree on a rock, you know, uh, a well-articulated and understood belief system. That can mm. be something, but just generally like saying, I'm aiming for happy. That's a very broad, unspecific target. So I want to just like drill down and say like, like, let's figure out what happy, like what lasting happiness would look like for you or how you would define it. And then hang a target on that and go for it. If that's your highest value, if faith is your highest value, just like say, understand it. Don't just say like, I believe, like, just say like, I don't know. What do you believe? And then get real with what you don't believe. Just say like, I don't, I'm not there yet. Yeah. That's just so helpful to do this vetting and get real with it. And what we do, and it becomes a distraction is we talk about what we hope to believe someday. But instead of understanding mm. where we're really at, I love there's a guy mm. in Mark, uh, he's a dad like me. And he says, man, I believe just help my unbelief. Man, mm. that's like every day of my life. There's some yeah. stuff I'm like, I'm in, I just, I have <laughs> questions about stuff. <laughs> and to just get real with that. And then some people are confused about, they feel like they need to be an answer box for everyone. What's your thought about this? What's your position on that? What's your, yeah. and uh, man, I win arguments for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lawyer, but I'm not the answer guy. Did you know this? In the three years that Jesus was walking, he asked 300 questions and he only answered three. Is that crazy? Serious? Three questions. The first one, importantly, was what's the biggest commandment? He said, love God and love the people around you. Wow. Uh, the second Everybody one, always. <laughs> yeah, the second one was like, will you teach us how to pray? And he said, our father. And then the third one, it was in front of Pilate. And he says, so you're the king of the Jews, huh? He said, yes, I am. <laughs> so yeah, if somebody asks you a question that you don't have the answer for, just, just say, man, I've already answered three questions in the last three years. <laughs> Wow. I've never heard that before. That's so Isn't that good. Crazy? Yeah. So That's I think so sometimes good. our desire to uh, show up in a relationship and be positive and happy and all that can be a distraction because we have days and circumstances and events that actually make us sad. And so mm -hmm. if we don't get real in a side conversation with them about that, then we become a caricature of who we really are. So mm -hmm. I become just the, the balloon guy. I just like yippy skippy and waving my arms and all that. But at some point you need to be real and maybe you can't do that with everybody, but you can certainly do it and have moments with your friends and just say, yeah. Hey, this is like when you blow the foam off the top, this is what's really going on in my life. So mm -hmm. make that normative that to get start with real and then you can continue on with what you're doing. I'm not saying be fake, but I'm saying be known. Yeah. Be known. I love that. And, and in the book, you use the analogy of like a, a car being distracted as like a car swerving into other lanes and starting to go off the road and that kind of bumping that you feel. Talk to me about how friends and community can kind of play the role of those guardrails for us in the distractions in our lives. Yeah. I want to find people around me. And this would be, if you're, if you're listening, a great kind of vetting to say, these are people in my life that tell me who I am. They don't tell me what to do. Mm. Uh, so I was speaking at some things and uh, I was having a conversation after one of these talks to a guy that really needed to talk about something. He just needed a friend to listen to him. And I could tell the person hosting this gathering 
<clears throat> was getting kind of uptight because they wanted me to be elsewhere. And they, they hovered for about a minute, let me know they were wanting me to be elsewhere. And then he walked over and grabbed me by the shoulders and started like pulling me away. And I'm thinking in my thought bubble, <laughs> what hospital do you want to go to? <laughs> I'm taking baby steps. And it reminded me that we don't want to be controlled. We want to be influenced. So had he said, Bob, I I think I know why you traveled across the country uh, and what you wanted to accomplish. And if you were to move 40 yards to your left, you could accomplish 10 times more of that. I'd be like, let's go. But instead, when he grabbed me by the shoulders, you know, I'm thinking, let me sign your cast. So, so, so sometimes we have friends that aren't trying overtly. Yeah. They don't know they're trying to control us, but we try to control what we don't understand. Mm. Um, and even in our own lives. And I'm just saying, let's see it so we can understand it. And if faith guides your step, bring it to Jesus to say, hey, how can I fix this? Or uh, if faith doesn't guide your step, I want to see it. I want to understand. I want to bring to a couple really trustworthy voices in my life so that we can talk about that. I could be fully known. And as a result, I'd be less distracted. I won't be looking for other people for cues or control Mm. or validation. And I do think that's an important point in there that we have to allow ourselves to be fully known in order to invite in those relationships who are going to be those guardrails, accountability, support system towards the dreams that we're pursuing. Yeah, I agree. I've, I take depositions, 32 years of depositions. I don't know, 10,000. I don't know how many, oh, oh, quite a few. Um, and so I get really good at asking questions. The thing about depositions, I feel really comfortable because I'm the guy asking all the questions, but they don't require self-disclosure. Uh, I'm just mm. asking questions. And so we have some people in their friendships. I totally get it. Uh, story is, I don't want to be, I'll be rejected if I'm fully known. Rule, control the conversation. Uh, be the person that asks all the questions. Give a polite, non-responsive answers to people's attempts to get to know you, but control the conversation. Uh, and then you uh, won't be abandoned or rejected because no one will ever know you. That's actually what's going on. Wow. <laughs> I just wanted what it looks like as a person who's like hyper engaged with you, like, blah, blah, blah. and really they're just as insecure as I am. Uh, they're just dealing with their insecurities differently. So there's no judgment in this. I'm just saying, find out, you know, what is going on, like pull that back and then uh, ap- apply your belief systems to that. Mm, so good. So, so good and convicting too. I, I keep thinking about the picture of the the walking in circles in the Gobi Desert and having like some sort of flag or vision or mountain or something that you're pointing towards. And when you realize that something is pulling you off track or getting you distracted or or that friend in your life and kind of call it out for you. What is it? What does it look like to? How do you get undistracted again? What is? What does it look like for you to course correct? Yeah, first the a person that you mentioned that would call that out for you. Uh, there's some people in faith communities that can identify with a part of a Bible verse that says, "Always be ready to make a defense for the hope that's within you." And then they stop there and then they continue in their lives, kind of like they're Jesus's lawyer. (laughs) He doesn't need one and they're not good enough. But it continues on 
LinkedIn, it says, but do it with kindness and respect. And mm-hmm. so I would say to all of us that want to help everybody else find their way, uh, find your way with kindness mm-hmm. and respect. So sometimes we lose our way trying to help people find their way because we just haven't been kind and respectful. We're more interested in being right than being Jesus. Uh, and so what I want to do, and I'm right, again, all the time, uh, but... <laughs> Constantly, Uh, but I'm trying to modulate that a little bit that I want to be known, I want to be available, and I'm not going light on doctrine, I'm going big on Jesus. I just Mm -hmm. like that kind of kindness and respect needs to be the hallmark of people who are helping people live into their lives. And then authenticity to just say lead uh, with a conversation about what's really going on. That's hard for me because I want to be the happy guy, and there's some stuff that goes on in life that isn't always happy. I, I shared with you before we started, yeah. I had a this horse that I just loved. Somebody gave it to me and it's just actually the great, great granddaughter of like this really famous horse secretariat. And, um, yeah. and then it was bred with this other horse who was supposed to have a foal uh, three days ago. And it went into labor. I got three vets and had a surgeon on standby and the foal was lost. And the horse was lost. And I'm just so gutted by that. Um, It's not that I can't function anymore, but it's just something that I'm just sad and I'm grieving that. I'm really just, it was just such a gut punch for everybody. Yet, I don't want to over-identify with the sadness nor over-identify with a happy Bob. Like, I just want to be like, I'm self-aware like I'm just, I know yeah. that I'm sad about that, but I'm, I've got my eyes towards a bright future. I've got my eyes towards the horizon and thinking the next thing. I'm going to spend a time of grieving and I'll always miss uh, bright eyes uh, and I'll be sad about that circumstance. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not going to let it get me off course. I've got mm-hmm. a flag on a hill. I've got a thing that I'm going after in my life that is important. And this happened along the way and I recognize that and I can celebrate being able to experience a wide range of emotions. And some of us get distracted trying to just buffer out, you know, each end of that. We try to buffer out the bummer and we try to buffer out, don't be too excited because people won't understand you. And we just play it somewhere in the middle. And I think we were born to be brave. I think we're born to sometimes the most courageous thing you can do is just get real with the sadness, uh, but setbacks are not campsites. Uh, A setback is a setback. It happened. I ain't camping out there, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to definitely visit there. I want to see it. I want to understand what I'm feeling. And I want to move forward uh, with this beautiful short life that we have. Mm. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Bob. It's beautiful. I'm just so thrilled for this book to, to come out. And I've watch the impact of each of your books and and how they've moved so many people. I guess kind of in closing, what are you most looking forward to? What is the transformation you're most excited to see in your readers after they read this book? Yeah, I hope something will ping them. I hope that if you, when you read a good book, you'll have something that like pings you go like, oh, sometimes it is the idea expressed. And sometimes it's an idea that's adjacent to the idea that it was expressed. So yeah. you can have a conversation and then you'll be thinking about something that wasn't said in the conversation. It's just adjacent to that. And so what I that idea of adjacency will be like I hopefully will be super important to people that they'll get find this idea and they'll go like, I'm actually not going to agree with Bob. I'm not 
trying to ask uh, for anybody to agree, I want you to go make a move. Like whatever mm. is a courageous next move. Um, like to take that. So it might be moving uh, and having a conversation with somebody where it got, you just got distracted. The relationship got super wonky to find your way back and to just say, that was weird, right? And say, that, that was super weird. Can we have like a do-over? Would that be good? Mm -hmm. There's a longer conversation around that. But for starters, what if we just say do-over, okay? And then uh, to find an entry point, an on-ramp into that. Maybe you've been distracted by your job. It was the perfect job for you at the time you got it, but wonderfully, magically, trans transformation happened and you've changed. You're a new creation and the yeah. job remained the same. I'm like, move on, quit that sucker. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> okay, give me your boss's phone number. I'll quit for you. <laughs> Um, and then I hope I've done this uh, tradition in every book that I've written. I put my cell phone number on the last page of the you book. Do. Yes, yeah. I think I'm going to put your cell phone number on the last page <laughs> of the next book. Um, but I get so many uh, calls from people, and I think what they want to know is if it's really true. Yeah. Um, I think they're wondering, is there going to be a recording? This is here's how to buy a box of books. Um, or is it actually going to be Bob? And I think that's what people want to know about our lives. I wonder if it's really true. Uh, and all you have to do is say hello. And they go like, oh my gosh, it's true. <laughs> I've watched you do it too. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> so what I want us to do is that I want to return yeah. from the distraction of saying, well, there must be some angle on this to say there's nothing on the other side of the equal sign that we could actually uh, have this like weird amount of availability to one another. And then I hope for what people will like the chain of events that will, uh, they will already do. They're already doing it. You're already doing it. Uh, but to just like be dazzled by what people are doing with their lives and uh, take notes on that and to say like, mm. oh, this is good. We got a short period of time and I burn a daylight. I want to like <laughs> actually get going. I love it. Undistracted pub date is March 1st. Bob, thank you so much for being on the show. It's so good to see you. Thanks a million, Allie. 